Hello, welcome to Controversies in Church History. Um, greetings, friends. My name is Derek Taylor. I am the proprietor of this podcast, podcast which goes into uh, all the difficult and sometimes upsetting uh, episodes in the history of the Catholic Church, but also goes into ones that, you know, uh, are also in some ways episodes which prove in some ways the good influence of the Catholic Church in history. Welcome again. Welcome to all my listeners, subscribers, people listening on uh, uh, YouTube uh, or through Patreon, my subscribers. Uh, God bless you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. People on Spotify, which I didn't qualify this because this has changed since the last time I checked, but apparently uh, my podcast host was Anchor. Uh, Anchor podcast platform. It has been acquired by Spotify. <laughs> so if you go there now, it's, it's, they say in some of the media, social media that I have up here, you can find it on Anchor. It's the same thing as Spotify now. And uh, in fact, if you go there, just FYI, I'm trying to grow the podcast. The first thing is uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you're listening, go tell other people about it. If you like it, go on to YouTube or, or to Spotify. Um, it's also available through Apple Podcasts and everywhere you'd find podcast but uh, i have lots of episodes in there long ones they'll go back i'm recording more uh, so i'll talk about that in a second this episode uh and um if you feel so inclined uh you can go to my patreon page become a subscriber you'll get special content early um early uh, releases of episodes which i'll talk about more in a second and bonus content i've already put up a bonus episode for subscribers and we're going to be doing, I promise, it's got things going on um, at the moment, uh, going to do uh, either a, uh, uh, promised a uh, live stream, probably try that. I'm thinking about putting up a, doing a Discord chat. Uh, I'm trying to contact you guys, people that listen. I know you listen. If you want to talk, ask questions, those sorts of things. Um, that's coming soon, I promise. I know I said I'm vague about that because I'm trying to nail all that stuff down. And um, eventually, and then and for subscribers in the future, we're going to get um, um, interviews. That's coming too. Please be patient as we try to do this. But yes, go and try and uh, you know just spread the word. In the beginning, if you go, if you go to Spotify, by the way, um, you subscribe there and other places as well. You're going to find ads in more of my. I haven't done ads for a while, but you'll see ads pretty much every time uh, in Spotify. Um, again, I'm trying to I'm trying to monetize at least partly the. Um, uh, the podcast, uh, YouTube, I'm trying to go and subscribe on YouTube. I'm trying to get, you know, to a thousand subscribers there so I can have ads there, monetize a little bit. I'm not trying to make a living at this. Uh, you have my, you have my word. I will never do that. I do not want this to be that, um, partly because I want to do this. I started this as a service to people and to the church and everything. And, uh, also because I think it would alter how I do this <laughs> if I was getting, if I was dependent upon it financially, so I will not be doing that, but it helps at least, you know, take to fray some of the cost of all this. I appreciate that. Uh, and if you want, by the way, ad free episodes, you have to go to Patreon and become a subscriber. It's like $5 a month is the cheapest one. Uh, you get early access to stuff, um, if that's all you want without ads. So go there and do that. Okay. All that out of the way. Um, uh, updates in terms of what's coming. I know um, subscribers have gotten some stuff recently. Rest of the listeners haven't. Your stuff is this is the first one actually. You're getting one today. I'll get to this in a moment. But um, gonna have gonna release uh, probably a little early. I said it'd be a month in between when I drop the episodes on Patreon when I drop them uh, to everybody else. Probably release it a little early. The first episode of uh, the series on Latinization. Uh, that next episode is coming. Still have to do a little more reading get that done uh, hopefully in the next week cross my fingers 
And uh, you also have some new content. I have several things. I'm trying to give everybody content while they're waiting for the stuff to drop or waiting for episodes to come. Uh, smaller stuff is easier for me to do. And, and uh, things like, one, you'll see it in probably the next few days, a book review. Um, you'll see this. The Doom Moisture guys seem to like the, uh, end of the end of the year, you know, you know, I've been reading type of thing, best books I've read. So I'll maybe do one I've written recently. And uh, as well as doing something I'm going to do here. This episode, this little mini episode is um, actually me reading a blog post that I wrote a long time on blog on my, my website, uh, uh, churchcontroversies.com. Uh, you can go there and find it if you want to read it. I've retconned it for this. But uh, it is um, something I found other podcasters do, other people who have these channels. They, they do this. People like it. So it's different content. And I'll probably emphasize some different things. I'm going to read through it more or less read it out loud. I may, I may, I'm going to do some stuff on the, off the cuff. So it won't all be the same thing as the actual blog post. Um, um, but it is something that, um, I find, I actually enjoy that. Some of the people I listen to when they do this. So, um, and so this episode is going to be about, uh, the, 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 um, the, uh, post I'm going to read about here is about the ordinariates, the, uh, uh, so-called Anglican ordinariates. If you don't know what this is, and again, most of my listeners are probably on the traditional side. If you're not, you know, welcome. If you're just coming here, uh, I tend to be on the traditional side here. I do attend a, a Latin mass um, community. Um, but I was once, for a long time, a member of uh, the ordinary to the chair of St. Peter. If you know what that is, the Anglican ordinariates refer to um, uh, ecclesial bodies, uh, legal bodies that were created for Members of the Anglican Communion, um, those communions that are in communion with the Church of, of England, the Protestant Church of England, the state church there, the Episcopal Church in the United States, who wanted to leave and become uh, Catholic as groups. And they were, this was created in 2009 by Pope Benedict XVI. And they, the, part of the rationale of this was they could come in corporately. They would embrace, you know, all the Catholic God. They would, you know, give, you know, accept the authority of of uh, of uh, the Pope, and be allowed to retain some of their liturgical traditions. If you don't know what an ordinary, what kind of structure that is, by the way, we've always had, we not always, we've had these for a while. Um, ordinaries, ordinariates are basically non-geographical, non-territorial dioceses. So instead of being in a particular area, they can be over several areas. The first one I think that was created was the ordinary to the military, U.S. military in the United States, because you have U.S. military all over the world. So they have one bishop who oversees uh, all the chaplains and everything in the U.S. military. You also have Opus Dei has its own bishop, which is uh, an ordinariate. So these are ordinariates were not new, but they were created for these Anglicans who wanted to become Catholic. Uh, and so when they came with them, they brought their liturgy, which is partly based on the liturgy of the, of the Church of England. Um, and so what happened, I'll explain this. Uh, this is the background before I start reading. I haven't got the actual post yet, but and this leads some people, and again, my, my community tends to be more traditional, traditionalists, and they're a little bit of suspicion about this uh, for a variety of reasons. And maybe some people in who are not, uh, in fact, uh, I mentioned I was in one of these ordinary communities, and we moved from one parrot. We, we didn't have a, didn't have a big enough group to be to be an actual parish ourselves and have our own buildings. So we had to be hosted by other parishes. We moved from one parish to another, just giving you an idea of how even people who are not traditionalists didn't like didn't know what to think of us. We moved to a new parish, and we were being introduced before we even got there by a deacon who was uh, part of the parish we went to. The parish we went to, by the way 
was known as a kind of a liberal parish. Um, and it was. And very kind, sweet, decent people. They were very good to us. Uh, I have nothing but warm feelings about them, but they, they were. But when they were introduced by their deacon, because our deacon from our little group went to there and talked to them, talked to these people after their masses, the deacon of this parish made the mistake of saying, and yes, they're, they're, they're coming in from the people who are former Anglicans, they're coming in from the Anglican communion, and they're bringing their Episcopal liturgy with them. And when they heard that, the members of this liberal parish freaked out. <laughs> they're like, no, no, we don't want to be Episcopalian. It's pretty funny. But anyway, there's a reason is, okay, you, 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 you might think this is hanky if you don't know a lot about it. So point is, this post was written a couple of years ago, several years ago now, and I've kind of retconned it. And it's a defense, uh, the title of it is a defense of the ordinary at liturgy's authenticity. And so I'll go through this and read this and then hopefully it'll explain the rest of it. So here it goes. A defense of the ordinary at liturgy's authenticity. I am a member of a, fa of a group on Facebook dedicated to the defense of the Usus Antiquor. That's the old Roman rite. And several people have posted items about the ordinary at liturgy there, mostly of the questioning, if not negative, variety. Some have concerns about the nature of the Book of Divine Worship, the missal that is used in the ordinary liturgy. One person posted a chart made by Peter Kwasniewski, it's my friend, actually, Peter Kwasniewski, which arranges the various liturgies east and west by four qualities, as seen in the chart below. I won't belabor this, you have to go there. It lists them in terms of either validity, licitness, um, fittingness, uh, authenticity, and in four categories, uh, Peter apparently gave the ordinary right uh, uh, good marks, except for authenticity. Validity means you know legal validity. Licitness means it's formally authorized by your ordinary. Fittingness is more, I guess, fittingness with the the Catholic faith. And then authenticity was one one question. And someone posted this, meaning to I think to call it a, maybe call it into question. They weren't sure about it. And so the post continues. As you can see, the only one in which he finds the ordinary liturgy lacking is that of authenticity. I was a member of a community made up of former Anglicans for over a decade before the creation of the ordinary in 2009. I have acted as a server, lector, and cantor for that liturgy. And though I am no liturgical scholar, I want to share my thoughts on the subject of his authenticity for those who traditionalists and for other people who might be wary of it. If you are unfamiliar with the ordinary liturgy, you can watch videos of it here and here. This is an aside. You can find plenty of videos on, on YouTube. Uh, the Ordinary it has its own YouTube channel. And so I or organized this into a series of questions. First question, does the Ordinariate have its own right, quote-unquote? The Ordinariate liturgy as embodied in its missal, the divine, divine worship of the missal, um, is, properly speaking, a use of the Roman rite and not a unique rite itself. It is not, therefore, like, for example, the Ukrainian Catholic Church, which is descended from the Byzantine rite and is a, a unique rite for a unique church. In other words, it's a, it's a sui juris church, the Ukrainian rite. The Anglicans are part of the Roman church. They just have a, they have a unique use of what is the Roman rite. And uh, I go on to say the reasons of this will become apparent below. I, list, I actually leave a link to where a copy of the Order of the Mass for the Divine Worship Missal can be found. Next question. Is the ordinary liturgy basically the old Roman rite in archaic English? That is the TLM, if you know it that way. This is a refrain I hear often from those who have attended an ordinary liturgy, even, though, even from those uh, who frequent the TLM. And while I can see why they might think this, it is not really accurate. As Bishop Stephen Lopes, the Bishop of the Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, USA, pointed out in a speech in 2017, 
The norms for the uh, divine worship missal are those of the modern missal, the missal of uh, St. Pius, uh, Paul VI. And there are more elements from the new Roman missal present in it, in the divine worship missal, the new lectionary, new calendar, responsorial psalm, offertory procession, the memorial acclamation after the elevation of the chalice, the doxology after the Our Father, the form of the distribution of communion, then from the old missal, though not all of those are actually uh, mandatory. The prefaces and collects, which are prayers uh, in, the, in the mass, are also rather different, I believe, but I am not sure of their number or provenance, but presume many come from the Novus Ordo. Another reason uh, for this is that the ordinary liturgy has more optional prayers than the Pian Missal. This is the, the TLM, the Missal of St. Pius V, though not so many as the Novus Ordo. This is partly due to the, to the peculiar history of Anglo-Catholic groups within the Church of England, the groups of Anglicans who were most eager to enter uh, communion with Rome. In the first half of the 20th century, many Anglo-Papalist parishes in England celebrated their liturgy according to the English Missal, an English trans translation of the Tridentine Missal made in 1912. And there were, by the way, Anglo-Papalists. Um, this is an aside, it's not in the actual post, but uh, one of them was a man named Don Gregory Dix, who was actually an Anglican monk who wrote a very famous uh, book on the liturgy, uh, which many traditional uh, Catholics uh, like, actually, called The Shape of the Liturgy. Continuing, but such was their desire for union with Rome that in the 1960s, most Anglo-Catholic parishes in the Church of England switched to the Novus Ordo out of a sense of loyalty to Rome. This is why there are two sets of offertory prayers in the Divine Worship Missal. Offertory 1 is essentially the prayers of the 1962 Roman Missal turned into English, while Offertory 2 consists of prayers taken from the Novus Ordo. Nevertheless, the propers are basically identical uh, to the 1962 Roman Missal. Just as an aside, the propers are the basic prayers of the, of the Mass that, uh, that are said every week in Truit and stuff like that. So, those sorts of prayers. Uh, going on, and the prayers at the foot of the altar, the offertory prayers, and the last gospel are all options in the divine worship missal. But the most important similarity with the old mass is that the Roman canon is the only Eucharistic prayer authorized for use on Sundays and solemnities recited aloud. And if you don't know, the Roman canon is the oldest Eucharistic prayer in the Roman tradition, uh, and as the inimitable Father John Hunica has pointed out, this gives the Divine Worship Missal uh, a greater claim to being a use of the Roman Rite than the New Missal, since it is almost never heard in the Novus Ordo. That's because the New Mass has several options, most of which are shorter, and therefore priests being naturally kind of hurried, they want to use a shorter prayer normally. Next question. Doesn't the ordinary liturgy contain elements of the Book of Common Prayer? which is the book that, for the most part, the Church of England has used uh, in place of the, the Roman Missal since the 16th century? The answer is yes. Besides those prayers mentioned above, most of the other prayers are taken from the Book of Common Prayer. This was partly the rationale for the ordinariate in the first place, that the Anglicans who wanted to enter corporately into full communion with Rome could retain those elements of their tradition of worship that were compatible with Catholicism. Next question. Does this mean the ordinary liturgy is Protestant, quote-unquote, in some sense? If you mean theologically, no. This is probably what makes most traditionalists nervous about the Divine Worship Missal, since the Book of Common Prayer was the work of Thomas Cranmer. 
um, the main, one of the major reformers in the English church, Protestant reformers of the English church in the 16th century, who uh, basically oversaw the destruction of the Catholic Mass in England. I admit this gave me pause at first as well. But in fact, Cranmer did not so much compose the Book of Common Prayer de novo, that is from scratch, um, uh, so much as recycle numerous prayers from earlier perfectly Catholic sources. Many of the prayers in the Book of Common Prayer are translations from the Sarum use. This is the medieval variant of the Roman Rite used at Salisbury Cathedral in England. For example, the order of Mass in the Divine Worship Missal begins with the Collect for Purity, Cramer's beautiful translation of a prayer taken from the Sarum Missal, amongst other sources. And then he recite the prayer. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts be open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. And just as an aside, that prayer is also present in the 1962 Roman Missal, the old Roman Missal, the last edition of it. Um, it's present, I believe, as the collect for... I think it's the section called Various Masses for Various Occasions. I believe it's the Mass, Collect for the Mass for the Calling Down of the Holy Spirit has, has that version. It's a 10th century Latin prayer um, that Cranmer translated into beautiful English. Moving on. Other parts of the liturgy taken from the Book of Common Prayer include, in a few places, parts where the priest will recite passages from Scripture to the congregation. These are optional, by the way but sometimes you'll hear them. The first of these is the Summary of the Law, just before the Kyrie, where the priest recites Christ's summation of the two great commandments in Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. Another place where passages of Scripture are recited uh, is just before the offertory, called the quote-unquote comfortable words. These are literally just comforting passages of, of Scripture, such as John 3, 16, both of these are optional, and unless you think reading passages of Scripture in vernacular is somehow intrinsically Protestant, they are perfectly fine theologically for a Catholic liturgy. There are, however, three unique prayers in the Divine Worship Missal, which you will not find in any other Catholic Missal, which were composed for the uh, Book of Common Prayer by Thomas Cranmer. His General Confession, which takes the place of the Confidior and the Roman Rite, the Prayer of Humble Access, just before distribution of Communion, and a Prayer of Thanksgiving after Communion. Now, when I say Cranmer composed these prayers, even these were not totally new creations. From what I have discovered, he basically cribbed them from earlier sources, from breviaries and the like. In any event, these prayers are perfectly compatible with Catholic theology and are some of the most beautiful in English you will ever hear. This, for example, is the prayer of humble access, recited by priest and congregation before receiving communion. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. But thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. I suppose one could nitpick about the word table here, rather than altar, but it conveys the sense of the real presence being said just before the people communicate almost perfectly. 
Uh, it is also biblical, of course. There is no reason to be suspicious of these prayers, in my opinion. Next question. If that's the case, then why isn't the Divine Worship Missal just the Old English version of the Tridentine Mass? There is one sense in which the Divine Worship Missal is more quote-unquote Protestant in a non ritual non-theological sense than the Old Rite and is closer to the Novus Ordo. Compared to the Old Roman Rite, there are many more dialogue or responsorial elements in which the priest is facing the people and talking at them, and fewer genuflections, gestures, and the like. This is probably my least favorite characteristic of the Divine Worship Missal, as it doesn't leave a lot of natural space for silence, as does the Old Roman Rite. All of this gives the liturgy in the ordinariat a slightly more quote-unquote congregational feel than the Old Roman Rite. This is partly an Anglican inheritance, but also something that is present in the Novus Ordo. Joseph Shaw, uh, the president of the Latin Mass uh, Society of the UK, once complained of the Novus Ordo that it often seems like or feels like an endless stream of verbiage directed at the congregation, as if someone were giving a lecture. And something similar could be said of the ordinary liturgy. But the Divine Worship Missal compensates for this because the verbiage, quote-unquote, of the Missal comes in a register of English completely removed from daily life and so marks it out as sacred rather than profane. This is why people often come away from the ordinary liturgy thinking it is the Tridentine Rite translated into English. Its archaic language plays a role analogous to that of Latin in the classical Roman Rite. Of course, for some, the use of the Latin tongue for worship is the defining feature of the Roman Rite, classically speaking. I suppose for such people there could be no question of the Divine Worship Missal's authenticity. However, several people I know who attend the Old Liturgy have said they would do so if it were translated into a decent English, since it was the content of the, of the prayers in that Missal they cared most about. But then the Divine Worship Missal would not satisfy them on this point either, since it in some respects, dare I say it, represents a via media between the Old and the New Roman Rites. Final question. Wasn't the Divine Worship Missal made up by a committee? How then could it be authentic? This is perhaps the most cogent objection to the authenticity of the Ordinarians' liturgy. There is no denying that it is in some sense what Joseph Ratzinger accused the Novus Ordo of being, quote, a fabricated liturgy, unquote. Because of the Protestant Reformation and the subsequent history of Anglicanism, the divine worship missal of necessity lacks the organic development the classical Roman rite possesses and is in that uh, sense less authentic. I do think it is fair to say that, while a real and authentic expression of the Catholic faith, it is less so than those liturgies East and West that never suffered the violence of the English Reformation. Even so, despite this fact, its creation differs from that of the Novus Ordo for one simple reason. Love. The Concilium, the Concilium is the commission that basically created the New Roman Rite in the 1960s. The Concilium, which composed the New Missal, not only did a poor job of creating the New Liturgy in technical scholarly terms, but as Cardinal Antonelli, uh, a member of the commission, later remarked, quote, Many of those who have influenced the Reform have no love and no veneration of that which has been handed down to us. They begin by despising everything that is actually there. With this mentality, they have only been able to demolish and not to restore. Unquote. 
By contrast, the people who created the Divine Worship Missal had behind them 175 years or more of excellent Anglican scholarship on the liturgy, going back to the Oxford movement, from Newman to Dom Gregory Dix to Monsignor Andrew Burnham, who was a former Anglican priest who served on the commission that created the Divine Worship Missal, and whose book on the liturgy, Heaven and Earth in Little Space, is wonderful. Uh, but more than academic learning, those scholars and all the former Anglicans who swam the Tiber, many of whom made great sacrifices to do so, truly love both their own Anglican traditions and those of Rome. And it is this love which, in the final analysis, makes the ordinary liturgy a genuine liturgical restoration and not a destructive, archaeologizing experiment. Archaeologizing just means <laughs> that's sort of a term that people... Um, it's a critical term people use when they, when they talk about people wanting to go dig up old liturgies from the past that have been dead for several hundred years and resurrect them for no reason except for aesthetics or something. Don't get hung up on that. Um, it's not a destructive experiment. I admit that my preference, going on, I admit that my preference is for those rites that possess organic continuity, west or east, but this in no way diminishes my love for this wonderful liturgy, which is both an ornament to the worship of the Catholic Church and a testament to the desire for unity with the successor of Peter and the fullness of the faith. Thus, the ordinary at Missal is a truly represents a truly authentic Catholic liturgy. And so, may God preserve both the classical Roman rite and the ordinary at use, both now and in the future. So that's our little uh, um, episode for today. Uh, we'll, next time, uh, there'll be a book review. I'll give me the next one that'll drop. That will be... A review well you'll see i'll make it a surprise but it'll be a short one there's also going to be coming and i mentioned this earlier episodes by the way if you want to go and, and read that actual essay it's uh, on my website uh, controversies church history but churchcontroversies.com is the actual address um i will also be doing i mentioned this earlier uh, <laughs> on the last episode and episodes before that that'll be sort of uh, retconning some episodes i originally started doing this um podcast before it was a podcast it was a series of talks i'd give at my local parish they were recorded some of which the volume is not very good so i'm recording some of them and the next one to drop will be uh, on the gregorian reform of the 11th and 12th centuries and uh, i've done that one before and so i'll be pretty soon i get that done and uh, and uh, that's kind of a in some ways a primer for the next episode on uh, the series in latinization you know the latinization of the eastern rites and um and so that'll be coming up soon as well for subscribers. And again, everybody's going to get to hear the first one pretty soon. So some content, hopefully some more content coming soon, more content in general coming more continuously. Again, I have lots of things going on. My first class is, uh, starts in a week, so I have some other things going on, writing projects I'm doing. But more content is coming, I promise you. Go, uh, again, go to like and subscribe to my Facebook page. Go and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on YouTube. Um, again, if you're so moved, um, go to Patreon page and, and, and become a subscriber. Um, but uh, above all, thank you for listening. Letting people know about what I'm doing here. Let them know it's all free on YouTube, all the, all the older stuff. Uh, that will always be free. Uh, I'm not going to make the archives. Uh, any access to that we'll have to pay for. Um, and uh, yeah, once again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for caring enough about the faith to come learn about its history. Um, I have a wonderful, I'm recording on a Sunday, a wonderful, blessed, happy, holy day of Sunday in the Lord's resurrection. Uh, and um, 
Um, and be safe, everyone. God bless.